Hey everyone, and welcome to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiama Hansen-Drury, Chief Product Officer at Mina Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product. And we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Product. I am thrilled to have with us today, Arvind Dutta. And Arvind has over 15 years of experience now leading product management teams, product marketing, business strategy, and other key areas for top tech companies. Currently, he is leading the global strategy for Microsoft Teams, integrations, media portfolio, and developer segment. Before his current role, he was leading Dynamics 365 cloud migration global strategy. He has also worked as a senior product manager for software and services at Fluke Corporation and for growth at Corning Incorporated. He has an MBA from the Pennsylvania State University and a master's in industrial design from the National Institute of Design. He's also active in mentoring early career product managers and marketers, and we are thrilled to have him join the show. Arvind, welcome. Thank you so much, Jamma, for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Where are you uh, joining us from today? So today I'm joining you from bright and sunny Vancouver. Believe it or not, it snowed two days back here and today it's sunny. Ah, fabulous. That's good. And it's a Friday. So hopefully you'll have sunshine for the weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it. So Arvin, um, thanks so much for joining us. We're really excited to hear about your career and the lessons you've learned along the way. Um, and in preparing for today's episode, we were remarking on it's actually the 15th year that you've been in this field and focusing in this area. Uh, and you've had a lot of really great experiences along the way. And it seems like you've learned a lot of things during that time. Um why don't you start just really high level and tell us a little bit about, you know, why you got into the field that you did and, um, and then we'll dig into those 15 years in more depth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I really feel like my product management career has been uh, many careers in one. Um, I know a lot of people go through this. Uh, sometimes people have planned out things. Sometimes it happens organically. In my case, I looked at things that looked challenging at that point in time, and I went along. Um, and uh, very broadly, you know, my career has been, uh, uh, I started out in the area of design, and then briefly I moved into product marketing, and then I've been in product management. Nice. So our audience knows all those different things, but for mostly knows all those things. But if you had to kind of uh, give a tagline to each of the areas you've worked in and how they relate to each other, give give a layman an understanding of product versus design versus product marketing. Yeah. So uh, design is uh, all about, uh, uh, you know, what are the customer needs and uh, what does the end product look like, feel like? How is the user going to use it? Um, marketing is uh, once that product is ready, how do we package it up and sell it? And product management is uh, you know somewhere in the middle. Of course, there's engineering on on the periphery of all this, uh, where product management is right at the center and the heart of what we are trying to build, why we are trying to build, and uh, how are we going to ship it. So the common thread in all of this is, of course, the customer. Right, because from a design st standpoint, a designer would completely put the customer in the center, understand their needs, and build a solution around it. 
Likewise, a marketer needs to understand what are the pain points that a customer has and build a story that resonates, uh, that is really valuable to the customer. And likewise, product management, of course, we live and breathe the customer story and the customer pain points and making sure that the customer's life improves with our products and solutions. Great explanation. And all three of those roles have to work very closely together for a product to come to its full value potential uh, and to drive business impact ultimately. Um, we've talked about how collaboration is one of those things that you have to have. And many people think that they are extra collaborative, but you've described it as a bit of a paradox. Can you speak a bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, so this is actually really interesting. You know, if you ask anyone around you, your friends, your colleagues, if you ask this question, are you collaborative? You know, pretty much everyone is going to say, yes, I am very collaborative. But then you ask, do they think their team is collaborative? And in most cases, they will say, my team can be more collaborative. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a silo. There is no clear communication. So that is an interesting paradox to be aware of, especially if you are a product manager. You will see this tension happening inside your team, inside your product crew, with engineering, with cross-functional teams like marketing, where individuals actually want to be collaborative, but the system kind of pushes them in a silo sometimes. So the way to sort of address that is through a common understanding of what the goals of the organization are, aligning everyone using tools like OKRs and KPIs so that everyone is working towards a common goal rather than having disparate objectives within their own silo. I think that's great because we know that teams that collaborate are, I think it's like five times more likely to perform at a higher level than those who don't, right? So the outcome that's achievable is really important, right? It's really worth chasing. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen in terms of teams you've been part of and their ability to, you know, address the fact that the collaboration isn't working well um, and how to kind of get that back on track? Have you seen that be successfully navigated? Yeah. You know, if you have been in a meeting where uh, the meeting did not go as you expected, where, you know, there was confusion, uh, there was uh, probably some finger pointing. There was a you know probably a deadline somebody missed. The team could not ship something in time. All these are symptoms that there is no collaboration happening in the team, or not enough collaboration happening. Uh, the way to work around this is uh, obviously uh, start with. Uh, I always say you know find out these sockets in your planning cycle where you can drive the organization level collaboration. For example, every company goes through some sort of a planning process, and that is the time when all the stakeholders are coming together to discuss where do we want to invest in the next cycle. And that's the opportunity to align everyone on where do we want to go as a company? What are the common objectives and key results that we want to go after? You know, Where do we see our product in three years, right? So that's one window of opportunity to align. And of course, there are other tools of collaboration on a tactical level. For example, for a product manager, if you think of collaboration, it is not just about uh, uh, writing the OKRs. It is, it is really all the other things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that can help you collaborate better. For example, every product manager writes a PRD, product requirement document. 
this is a collaboration too. PRD is nothing but a manifesto of what are we going to do and getting alignment from engineering on all the requirements. So that's how you collaborate using your day-to-day -day processes, your tools. How do you collaborate with marketing? Your roadmap. So roadmap is again something that is communicating to your marketing team, to your sales team, that this is the time we are going to ship a certain product or a certain feature. So getting that alignment uh, leads to collaboration. And finally, at a personal level, sometimes you will find you know, some individuals are easy to work, some individuals are difficult to work. So when you find uh, difficulty, you know, the best way to deal with that is have a one-on-one -on -one chat, have a coffee chat with that person, try to understand where are they coming from. Many times, these are well-intentioned individuals that are just having different priorities. So understanding the problem from their lens will have uh, will give more empathy to the situation and help you understand the problem from their lens and maybe come at like a common understanding of what are we trying to solve and get to an agreement. Great answer. Great answer. And it's a nice segue because really your current product, it's all about collaboration, really, if you think about teams. Um, and I guess it would be nice to hear your perspective on what makes you proud about your product that you work on and how you feel it drives that collaboration that is so vital to performance uh, and to job satisfaction as well. Yeah, so uh, currently I'm the product manager in Microsoft Teams. And uh, for those who have not heard of Teams, it's a messaging application from Microsoft. Uh, it has uh, several capabilities like chat, channels, and meetings. All of this that became extremely critical during the pandemic. And as Teams went remote, and now there is some sort of a hybrid where employees are trying to come, come into the office on some days of the week and work remotely the other. Uh, so there is this... Uh, requirement to collaborate virtually. And Microsoft Teams is one product that kind of enables not just uh, collaboration syn synchronously through meetings, like we are having right now, but also asynchronously, like with chats and channels, where I can send you a chat and you can respond back when you're available. Uh, folks also collaborate uh, through files. And that's another thing that neatly integrates with the whole Microsoft ecosystem and Teams is if I have a file that I upload, you know, you have access to it and I can always post my comments within that file. You can review it and then reply back in the chat. So uh, messaging is something uh, that we have seen has grown tremendously in the recent times. And uh, in the foreseeable future, uh, this is going to keep evolving. There'll be new forms of collaboration like we see uh, we started out with text, then it went to uh, video, and uh, maybe in the future there'll be more virtual and, and metaverse uh, that will encompass how we collaborate virtually. I'd love to hear, so we've, we've talked about how the journey of building a product is just as important as shipping it, right? Um, and you've called out that it's very important to celebrate and recognize the journey but also uh, reflect on that journey, right? What are the hard parts? What are the good parts? What, what do those tell you about uh, probably a number of things, but definitely the way your team collaborates and executes on things. 
Um, working on a product that, as you say, was rising in importance so much during a time that was quite scary, right? The pandemic was quite scary for a lot of people. Maybe you can tell us uh, some of your memories of, you know, what your team did well during that time and what your team, you know, uh, maybe struggled with during that time, working on something that you knew was so important um, and was meeting the moment in such a important way as well. Yeah. Uh, so you actually called upon something very important, which is uh, journeys as important as uh, the destination. Uh, and I'll try to tie it back to your question around uh, what happened during the pandemic. But uh, I do want to like emphasize that a lot of times, you know, as product managers, we get consumed in the process so much that we forget to enjoy the day-to-day uh, things that happen around us. Like really product management is everything from going to meetings, negotiating with stakeholders, you know, writing the PRD, uh, stressing about not, feature not being shipped on time. So all of this is part of product management. It is not just the shiny object where uh, that you see on LinkedIn mostly that you know feature has shipped. So uh, do take time and uh, enjoy the day-to-day process. So coming back to what happened in the pandemic was, uh, I, I still recall uh, when it first happened, we were all supposed to go back to work within two days uh, because you know it was something that was already, uh, uh, you know, it is it's supposed to be temporary when it started. And then uh, it extended to months. And you know, now we know like it's, it's been a couple of years. Uh, during this time, there was uh, a surge of what we saw of uh, virtual work. As teams were kind of starting to work remotely, there was a need to continue to work and continue to collaborate. And that's where some of the uh, areas of Microsoft Teams that really took off was, you know, chat, meetings. And likewise, in the industry, we saw other products also come up, like, you know, Zoom is a, was a good example that really picked up during the pandemic. So along that time, you know, most of, most of it was uh, keeping up with the uh, demand. And pretty much like month after month, the demand was exponential. So supporting that through our backend services, uh, keeping up with uh, with all the requirements and also shipping features along with it was was something that uh, that was a really a unique experience. Amazing. Do you remember uh, any particularly funny moments or uh, you know kind of evocative moments from from that time? Uh, it's not really funny, but uh, I think something I recall is uh, the importance of teams. So. A lot of healthcare workers and frontline workers were using Teams. And what is interesting is, I recall uh, uh, some of the customer testimonials that came in and uh, uh, really like lives were saved because there was Teams. Uh, Because if you imagine like the airport infrastructure uh, is running on Teams and uh, that was something that enabled people to still function remotely so that the planes can fly in time. And likewise, in the hospital scenario, uh, healthcare workers uh, that could not go to the hospital were able to consult remotely and save lives. So I I distinctly remember those testimonials where uh, you suddenly realize you're working on a cool technology, but then it is actually saving lives. So that feeling uh, 
was really something special. Yeah, I think those are the moments, quite frankly, that, you know, when people are thinking about getting into product, um, they don't always understand how uh, their career in product or specifically a product is really going to drive impact. And I, I love having people on the show who talk about that moment or those moments where they realize this is why my product exists, or this is when it really makes an impact in a way that I'm proud to be part of. So um, that's great. That's really, uh, it's a really cool experience that you and your team probably got to benefit from and still benefit from today. So Arvin, uh, you now are obviously in your current role, but you've had a lot of roles over the years. Um, and one of the things that we talked about when doing prep work is one of the most difficult uh, days uh, during those times and the lessons that you take with you from those. So I'd love you to take us back into time and tell us a little bit about that difficult day and um, how it shaped you and your career since. <laughs> yeah, uh... You, you're taking me back 15 uh, years down the memory lane. So I still recall my day one. And, uh, you know, coming into a new job, I had this uh, confidence that I could come in and in day one, I could change the trajectory of this company. And I had this feeling of, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, I know things. And then I remember uh, distinctly sitting in a meeting uh, and this is like a high stake meeting where I had my senior leadership and uh, a bunch of product managers and uh, other stakeholders. And uh, during the meeting, um, I kept asking questions which were like really more disruptive in nature uh, rather than contributing. And you can imagine coming in on day one, of course, I don't have the context of what this is and why some decisions have been taken a certain way. Um, so, of course, asking questions is a good thing, but uh, kind of proposing ideas without having the context on, in day one was something that did not go well. And in fact, I ended up disrupting the meeting rather than helping the outcome. And after that meeting, I had a chat with my uh, then manager and uh, they told me, um, you know, it, you didn't come across as a team player. So uh, starting from... Uh, start going into that meeting thinking I know everything to coming out of that meeting thinking like I know nothing was like an emotional journey, which is like, you know, pendulum swings from one direction to the, to the other, where uh, within a span of one hour, I, from feeling like an expert to feeling like a complete imposter. So uh, balancing this extreme emotion is something that has stayed with me. And, uh, you know, of course, I've I've uh, learned to manage it much better over the over the years, but whenever I start a new job, uh, it has always happened to me that you know there are days when I feel like a complete imposter. Where you know how did I even get this job? I, I know nothing. To there are days when I'm completely crushing it. You know I can I can um, I can win the world, right? I can make a difference. So this is actually a pretty a normal emotional swing that happens. And I've spoken to other product managers as well. And this has resonated with them. Uh, the reason uh, I want to call it out is that uh, many times uh, product managers may over-index one way or the other, and that may, that may negatively impact their productivity or outcomes. So uh, keep in mind that it is completely normal to feel that way. And don't over-index one way or the other. 
and uh, try to stay somewhere in the middle and understand that this phase will pass. And uh, ultimately, you know, when you feel like a complete expert, have a humility to know that you don't know everything. And then when the pendulum swings the other way, where you feel like a complete imposter, know that you are here because you know a lot of things. That's why you have come this far. Yeah, I liked it. You were saying there's like two ends of the spectrum. There's like, and as a product manager, you're going to swing back and forth between them from know it all to learn it all, right? And you're going to be going back and forth between those uh, over time. You're, I mean, I don't think you ever, if you're a good product leader, you try never to be in the know-it-all uh, category, right? Because there's no way that we can know it all. Um, but how do you how do you encourage your teams and then the people that you mentor um, to do this in a practical way? Like, do you give them you know advice on how to make sure that they're keeping themselves in check uh, on their day-to-day roles and responsibilities? Yeah, uh, so I'm not an expert uh, in this. But I can just share my experience, and that's what I try to do when I'm talking to others. Uh, of course, it, it 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 changes from an individual to individual. You know, some people are more uh, sensitive, and some people may take more time to process things than others. Uh, but I'll you know I usually just share my personal things that I like to do when I'm in one of these extreme states. So talking about uh, you know the, the the expert phase, right? So there are days when uh, a meeting has gone extremely well where you have received all the praises, uh, it, you know, maybe you have posted something on LinkedIn and you have got thousand likes. So there are days like this when all of a sudden you feel like, you know, I'm an expert. So that's when uh, I try to uh, remember that uh, I don't know everything. Like, you know, there are, the, the reason I'm here is because of the work that everyone else around me has done, right? Like when a feature ships, it's not just the product manager. It is the hard work of every software engineer, researcher, data scientist, designer, marketer, sales. So remember that uh, it's always it always takes a village to ship something. So it's not uh, it's not like uh, uh, you are sort of uh, flying the plane necessarily, but you are more like helping navigate the plane. But uh, if you think about it, right, uh, a product manager's job. Uh, is really to influence and get things done. But in reality, what product manager does never goes to the customer. So remember that. Uh, and uh, one of the quotes I remember from my earlier managers is, product manager's job is actually redundant. Like if you think about it, nothing that we do actually ships. A developer writes code, a designer makes the UI, right? A marketer is actually selling it and a salesperson actually makes the deal. But product manager, what we do is like, you know, we are we are influencing all these teams, but nothing that we do actually ships and, and is tangible to the end customer. So remember that, uh, um, remember that it's important to be humble in this world. On the other spectrum, when we talk about uh, imposter syndrome, you know, now it's, it's, it's being talked about more openly than it used to be. Um, and this is when you have self-doubt. And this can again be triggered from anything like, you know, maybe the meeting didn't go well, uh, the feature did not ship, uh, or you had an argument with uh, somebody senior or, you know, maybe your your team. Um, Any of this can trigger an imposter syndrome. When that happens, uh, I actually like to keep it in check by a few things. Number one is, uh, again, remember that... uh, you are here because of everything that you have done so far. So it's not like 
you don't know anything. You got the job and you have done it so well for such a long time. So remember and reflect on that. Uh, secondly, I, I also uh, you know, like to have like a work-life balance, meaning uh, I've seen a lot of professionals who are so deeply engrossed in the work that their entire identity is their job. And when that happens, there is a risk of either you know, going in either direction. And your, your self-identity is so deeply tied to your job. Like if you are, if you identify only as a product manager, then you are at a risk of going through these extreme emotions even more versus if you have a more balanced perspective in life. For example, do you have hobbies? Do you identify yourself as a friend, as a, as a father, you know, as a son? Uh, nurturing those personal relations alongside your work is, is very important. Um, so, yeah, so those are some things I, I like to uh, share with uh, folks where I've discussed uh, these topics. It's fantastic. And I think it's a really interesting and somewhat provocative statement that uh, the product manager's role is redundant, right? Um, I, I think I would love to hear more people engage with that content, uh, that concept, because I see exactly where you're going. And yet it all falls apart without that product manager, right? I mean, we know how important um, a aligning uh, and um, yeah, and an aligning and inspiring and empowering role that product manager job is if done well. Yeah, and it is actually, that statement is meant to be provocative. Of course, product management role is super important. And we have seen uh, companies identify that how important and strategic this role is. Uh, but, the, but the Uber point here is like, uh, you know, if you think about it in an ideal world, right? Uh, if there are no communication gaps, if there are, in an ideal world, there are uh, if there are no um, if there is no need to sort of um, align groups, then it, you know in in that world, engineering team can build something, right? You know, I mean, the, of course, they can work with the researcher, get the requirements, and they can still build a product. And sales and marketing can still take that product and sell it, right? So, in an ideal world, if there is no need to align these teams and tell the company where to go, then this role is sort of, sort of redundant. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, again, it's meant to be provocative. Uh, I don't necessarily mean the product management role is not needed. Uh, it is, of course, very strategic in nature. And uh, where it really excels is, uh, is, is really getting people process and the product requirements together. Okay, so uh, let's switch gears a little bit into um, some of the current the current trends that we're seeing uh, in the world of product and product management. So two areas you and I had talked about. Um, one is frameworks, and one is ChatGPT. Right. Um, let's start with the second. Microsoft obviously is a huge investor in OpenAI, and they've created one of the more popular uh, ChatGPT um, uh, products uh, that which are being used. By lots of people, um, not just product managers. But what are your thoughts on tools like ChatGPT or other AI tools uh, that are coming to market or are existing in market? How should product managers and uh, product teams be thinking about those from your perspective? Yeah, uh, really. If I uh, look back in my career, you know, there are certain inflection points that I see. Uh, sometimes these inflection points turn out to be a bubble that burst, and sometimes they truly impact the, the product 
outcomes and uh, overall the industry trends. So I actually think we are in one of those important inflection points. Uh, with chat GPT, what we have seen is uh, uh, a large language model uh, has, has created like a use case, which is, which is really easy to use, uh, which is, you know, I think uh, I saw some numbers like, you know, within a week, I think uh, chat GPT hit like a million users and, and then it's an exponential use. The reason for that is finally there was like a true use case for AI that was practical and so good uh, in terms of its response quality uh, that it was widely adopted. Uh, at the same time, I think uh, I, I kind of also have seen news around uh, AI where you know it may not be uh, completely ready for all scenarios. You know, we are what we are seeing is uh, large language models helping in some scenarios where there is summarization. So there's a large database, and uh, as a human to read all of that is going to take days, months, years. But AI can read it very quickly and summarize it for you. So that's one scenario. Of course, there is search. Uh, you know, improving the search quality, that's another area. A uh, lot of it is like, you know, there is some, some data set and the model has been trained to respond and give you some insights from the data set. Uh, there are many other scenarios where the AI may be still in early stages. So uh, kind of the ask that I have or kind of the uh, reflection that I have on this particular scenario is that uh, to, to be nimble and experiment with what you're trying to do. I know every company right now is trying to think about doing something with AI or is already doing AI, uh, which is great. But at the same time, I think what's important here is staying nimble and approaching this with an experimentation mindset. Take small jumps before taking that big leap. It's fair. Um, and I think you're absolutely right about reaching it in five days. And I'm pretty sure they've reached 100 million uh, active users uh, just recently. Um, and we're recording this in uh, a late, no, early March. So um, yeah, they they have definitely, I think it's gone on to become the fastest uh, consumer facing um, tool that's been adopted so far. So it's great. It sounds like there's a lot of people using it for experimentation, at least, as you would say. Um, I've spoken with a lot of uh, both product uh, managers and product leaders, but also with engineering managers and engineering leaders about how this could be used. And one of the other tools that I have found to be so uh, interesting and effective is GitHub's Copilot um, and the productivity gains that uh, people are seeing there. Um, anything different about how you think developers should be approaching the use of AI tools as opposed to product managers or also maybe going back to your former specialties, product marketing or um, design? Or is it really about, again, that experimentation mindset, looking at how you can leverage it to both gain efficiency yourself as an as a individual, but also looking at how it can enhance um, your strategy from a product perspective? Yeah, I think... Uh... There are use cases across all functions, whether it's uh, uh, engineering, whether it's uh, marketing, product management. I think all the fields are going to be impacted by AI in some way or the other. Uh, well, the jury is still out, like what type of impact will it be? One thing we have seen pretty sure is the, the generative nature of AI, which is it can help you create content and even code, which, in, which is the case for Copilot. So I actually think of uh, this as... Uh, more of a tool 
So it is not like, uh, you know, AI is ultimately going to write the code from scratch, right? What it is essentially doing is amplifying your ability to get things done faster. Uh, this is same as, you know, think about when cars first came, uh, the, the car, you know, the horse cart industry was very scared that, you know, they will lose jobs. But it's just like the nature of transportation changes that the ultimate outcome is still the same, which is I have to go from point A to point B, but now there is a new tool. Uh, the same trend happened when there was electricity, you know, a lot of jobs, people were scared that jobs are going to be lost, but ultimately all these things are tools. So uh, kind of my, uh, the way I look at uh, this, this transition phase is, uh, I, I think in every discipline, if you can think about, uh, what are what are some early use cases where we can experiment and uh, and see some results before we go all in and try to change everything bottoms up? Uh, that approach might be more reasonable, I think, in the short term. Uh, and uh, and again, like you know, I, I think one of the analogies I remember from Steve Jobs is like uh, when he was describing uh, what is a PC, he described it like a bicycle for mind, uh, which only you know. It's a tool, uh, but a human has to ultimately uh, uh, kind of decide where the bicycle needs to go. I love that. That's a really good, uh, a really good way of answering that question. Okay, so the other area you and I wanted to touch base on, we thought users might, um, uh, or excuse me, listeners might benefit from some of your your thoughts on is in the area of frameworks, right? So we are laughing that it feels like every post on LinkedIn now is a, a post of a framework, um, someone's framework, someone's experience with frameworks. And it, and it can feel a little bit overwhelming at times because it feels like there's a framework for everything. Um, but what would you say are some tips for people to keep in mind when it comes to frameworks, which also are a tool, right? Yeah. Uh... So frameworks, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to frameworks. Frameworks are great. Like, you know, in school, uh, we were taught through frameworks. And uh, the reason frameworks are so powerful in communication is because, you know, they are easy to digest and understand. Uh, but at the same time, that's also the shortcoming of a framework where sometimes the context might be lost because it is so simplified. And uh, that's the reason we see in social media uh, particularly LinkedIn, there are a lot of frameworks that sometimes look canned, um, and uh, and you know sometimes they can be effective. But I think uh, what is important is as you think of these frameworks, as you start applying these frameworks, uh, remember the context, remember the problem you're trying to solve. So it's again, it's a means to an end. A framework is a tool, uh, and uh, no framework is perfect. It has to be customized to your scenario, your situation, your customer needs. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times we see uh, uh, frameworks being sold by consulting companies because it's easy to package up, you know, put a wrapper, put a bow on it, and then say, okay, this can be scaled. Uh, but again, remember that uh, uh, every context is different and, uh, that framework will have to be customized by you as as a product manager as you apply uh, in your in your in your day to day workflow. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's so important. I mean, you know, there's so many tools, there's so many frameworks, uh, there's so many different 
things available to the product manager and to the product leader today. Um, and that's great. And it really does help us, as you say, we should think about those as things that help us move more quickly, right? Um, help us move more efficiently. But I know one thing you and I are both quite uh, passionate on is that one of the most important jobs of a product manager is the storytelling. Um, and the storytelling, not only with your stakeholders, not only with your team members, all the way down to the way you write your PRDs, right? And it is that context that's so important. And that context is what is missing so often actually from both the framework or like the first uh, version response from ChatGPT, right? Uh, they both give you basically a way to move further down the line uh, towards your goal more quickly. But then there's really that um, refinement and uh, context setting that's so necessary uh, and part of that storytelling and effective kind of aligning and um, empowering that product managers are, are essential to do. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of storytelling. I actually think that's one of the core skills. If you could really boil down to you know two or three things that a PM should have, I think storytelling would be very high on my list. Agree. Um, any uh, any people that come to mind in your career that you think just did a phenomenal job telling stories and and bringing ideas to life um, that you've worked with? Can you think of any of those those moments? Yeah. Um, you know, there have been uh, there have been leaders in my previous companies that I've looked up to for uh, storytelling, and uh, I actually think uh, product management is at a high level story, right? It, it's a story that is uh, it's it's a it's a fictional story. Like when you when you imagine a feature, the feature does not exist, right? Um, you try to write a story around it, and then you try to you know, add characters, and uh, uh, then you try to convince others that the story can be real. You show it to your engineering team so that they can build it. You show it to your design team so they can uh, design it. You show it to your marketing team to get validation. And ultimately, the story needs to be sold to the end customer so that they can, you know, they can pay money to the company and buy the product. But until that product is really there, it's all a fiction. And I, I think uh, storytelling is so important in every aspect of product management, whether it's a planning, planning cycle where you know, you're trying to uh, come up with your big bets, what are your big investment areas, all of that is a fictional story. That if you think about uh, all the forecasting that happens, uh, it's again a story, right? Finance is telling the story that we are going to land at this number. So I actually feel like this is a very, very critical skill. And even at execution level, right? Like you are, as a product manager, uh, you are trying to, you're trying to convince somebody to prioritize a certain task over something else because there's a story around why it is important. Um, so uh, as I think about uh, people that have really influenced me in my career, they have this ability to, uh, to tell a powerful story uh, making it very personal. Uh, always remember, like, uh, when you tell a story, tell it from the perspective of the listener. It's not, it's not something that you want to tell, but it's about what the other person cares about. So if you come at it from that lens, then it can be more relatable and more powerful and also make it more personal. Uh, by that, what I mean is, you know, if you are describing a customer pain point, instead of saying, uh, 
instead of saying the user is not productive, which sounds very uh, abstract, you can say uh, Tiama is a user when she's beginning her day uh, has a challenge uh, to catch up with all her messages, whether it's email or chat. And this causes frustration every morning for her because she's trying to scramble to get ready and begin her day. But all these messages can't help her but to kind of uh, delay everything else or the actual work getting done. So this causes stress and anxiety for Tiama. And then, you know, overall, it's not productive. So telling that story, making it more real from that lens is also very powerful. So uh, those are some tips I've seen that has worked really well is again, like think of it from the listener's point of view and make it really, really personal. Great advice. Okay, so we are getting to uh, my part in the show where you get to make it very personal. And one of my favorite questions that I ask every guest, which is if there was a museum uh, in the world that was dedicated to the world's most important products, what do you think should be in that museum and why, Arvin? Yeah, so this actually goes back to my design days. I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, this designer called Charles Eames. In fact, he and his wife, Charles and Ray Eames, uh, are uh, very uh, very influential modern designers. And everything that you see today around us has some sort of influence from their thinking. So the product I actually really love and I think should definitely be there in this museum is the Eames Lounge Chair and Ottoman. Um, I don't know if you can share a link to for the audience where they can see the picture of what this looks like. Uh, and, and there are some reasons I, I think this should be there. Number one is I feel like as a product manager, this is an embodiment of all the, all the ideal principles of product management that a design should have. Uh, number one is around innovation. Like I think back in the time, Charles and Rames were industrializing uh, the use of plywood. And, you know, back in the day, plywood was an industrial product that was mostly used for construction. But this is the first time uh, they took something that is so bland and give it a form and experiment with how it can bend and curve and create a shape which is really timeless. And if you look at the design, you know, uh, you see that uh, chair in Mad Men, the show, uh, in in 60s 70s and then even today when you go go to some of these offices you, you still find that chair so the design has stayed and stayed relevant over time uh, so as, as as a product manager you know of course we all aspire to innovate and create products that are timeless it's an aspirational thing you know once in a while that happens of course uh, you know, there's disruption and some new products take over, but this is one example of how this design has stayed over a period of time. Uh, the other thing uh, as a product manager is we also strive for simplicity, right? which is again a real, real hard challenge for a PM uh, because you start out as, uh, as, uh, as a product, which is, you know, super simple, which is trying to solve that one problem that your customer has. But over a period of time, you're trying to acquire more customers, you know, please more customers, and you keep adding more and more features to it. So what happens over a period of time is your product becomes so, uh, so heavy to use that users now start flocking to something else that is much more simple. So what started as uh, something that is so powerful loses its value over time. But again, like this, this chair is an embodiment of 
how something can stay simple. It's a reminder that don't overcomplicate your product. Of course, you want to add features, but there are other ways of doing it. So uh, be uh, cognizant of that. And finally, the most important thing as a product manager is your user. Like we live and breathe the user pain point. We want to help users do their job better. And in this case, the chair is so ergonomic that it is actually, you know, even over the years, it has, it has stayed relevant because the chair is still comfortable. Uh, so never forget that user. Don't be overwhelmed by technology. Like I know in, in many companies, there is a heavy pull and gravitation to build something with technology that you have. Like we talked about AI, that's an example where, because AI is so cool, now you know I want to build a feature with AI, but uh, remember that the user need is something that should drive the behavior, which is again, uh, a great example with this chair where uh, you know it's designed for that human body to relax and launch. So to me, like this is an embodiment of what a great product should look like and definitely, it should be in a pedestal in that museum. I would put it right in near the window. I, uh, as a child, grew up with uh, two Ames chairs in my house. Oh. My my parents both had one. They were both psychologists and they both had them in their office. So I, I know the chair well, and we will definitely include a link in the show notes for people to go take a look at it and also learn more about its history. But you've told the story beautifully, Arvin. Thanks, Kiyama. Thanks, thanks so much. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, and, uh, you know, glad to be on the show and uh, looking forward to what, what your listeners have to say and uh, would love to come back. Yes. Uh, for all of those listening, you can find Arvin on LinkedIn. He is, as I said in the beginning, passionate about mentoring others and sharing his learnings. And Arvin, thank you so much. Uh, we wish you well and appreciate you spending your time with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the Product-Led Alliance. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart of product.